night owls welcome to the next episode of isn't it past your bedtime i'm rachel and i'm krista i didn't like prepare any small talk for this particular one i've just been trying <laughs> to keep all the facts of this book in my brain i'm not gonna lie like this is like one of the bigger books i have so let's just talk about um what the theme is i guess yeah yeah so we picked historical fiction for this week i don't really usually read a lot of historical fiction but i honestly usually really enjoy it when i do read it i don't know about you I don't read it a lot and I'm like in the middle of the road. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's move on. And then sometimes I've really liked it, but I think also a lot like of historical fiction I lean to tends to be like weird romance historical fiction. Mm, I don't love those. On, that's probably on me. Like I shouldn't pick those. I should be better at picking my historical fiction, I think. I feel like it kind of depends for me on like how hard they push like the historical part. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I feel like some authors bring it up a lot to like try to remind you it's a different time. Like, you don't have to tell me, say it with your characters, like yeah. make things what, be different. Yeah. What's going on with their lives is probably going to alert me to the fact that it's not 2020, 2021, even right. 20, like even 2010, like I'll probably figure it out. You can mention the year once at the beginning and once on the back and that's it. Yeah. If you, yeah. Like, unless you're, like, doing, like, a jump from, like, current to past, in which case, yeah. To that's me, important, obviously. Let me know where we are. But, but other like than a time that, travel book, though, than historical fiction. Sounds sci-fi. Oh, well, oops, my bad. <laughs> I don't know. It could go either way, I guess. Depends we'll on how you define historical fiction. When I get to mine, then you can tell me. Oh. Oh, there's still that. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I think it just kind of depends on the book. It depends on the premise. So now I'm really interested in yours. So it's too bad that I'm going first. <laughs> just going to leave everybody suspense. Okay. Well, um, I did a book by an author that I've done before. Do you remember I did the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle last year when we did historical fiction? Yeah, you really liked that one. I did really like that one. Like it's so twisty and turny. And so I ended up picking another book from the same author absolutely accidentally. Um, I was literally <laughs> just looking through historical fictions and I clicked on it and I was like, I saw the back of it first. And I was like, oh, that seems interesting. And then I like flipped to the picture of the front of it and I was like, oh, of course. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> um, so I did The Devil and the Dark Water by Stuart Turton. Um, the front of it was really pretty too. So I'm not gonna lie, it definitely influenced my decision a little bit. But like just the fact that I loved the other book I read by this author really pulled me in. Um, it's so funny. I've never really paid attention to authors before. Like we started doing this, like ever. People are like, who's your favorite author? You read so much. I'm like, mm, nah. The Babysitter's Club one, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know any author's names. Um, so uh, it was kind of fun to, to have another one from the same author, but it's not like a series, you know? Mm -hmm. Just yeah. totally independent. So this one, I attempted to make like a, a loose outline to give you guys some information about the book, but I got a little lost in the details because there are so many characters. There are so many different plots happening at the exact same time. You aren't even going to get all the character names. Like wow. in the book itself, it lists out the characters and like gives you a map. So they're in a ship. It gives you a map of the ship. So like I literally had to keep bouncing back to the front page to look at the character list, like the, the prominent passengers or whatever they called it mm -hmm. so that I could figure out who was who. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> like even, even all the way to the end, I like was having to like look back and figure out who was who. So I'm sorry if I mess up who is who. I'm probably going to refer to a lot of people by what they do. So what this book is, it's based in 1634. 
And the United East India Trading Company was very lucrative at the time, right? Where they're traveling like spices and silks and fineries and things from Amsterdam to Europe or not Europe. Wow. Europe to India. Okay. Going like around the coast. My brain is just (laughs) not on, not on par today, guys. Um, So the book though is specifically from Amsterdam to Batavia. I think I'm saying that right. I didn't listen to this book. So a lot of these names I'm going to say wrong because that's part of why I had such a hard time with the names. I don't know how to pronounce any of these names. I definitely understand that with mine too. Yeah. So um, the Amsterdam to Batavia was the most successful port. And so that particular route was traveled pretty frequently. Um, and there was like huge, like they basically like took Batavia and flattened it and then put up like a big city with walls, which of course they did because capitalism, um, the rich white people came and flattened the land (laughs) because they made some really crappy agreement with the locals. Um, so the, uh, there's going to be a trip back to Amsterdam at this point. So our main characters have been living in Batavia for about 12 years, I believe. So they are going to do a route um, on the way back to Amsterdam and they're carrying something incredibly like expensive and also something incredibly important. So there's this group back in Amsterdam called the Gentleman 17. Apparently they make like all of the like trading decisions. They just sound like they're kind of in charge of everything. They don't really get into a lot of the details other than like they're basically the most powerful 17 men in the world and that's who you want to be. So that's all you really know about them because they seem to kind of get thrown into a lot of things. It's like, oh yeah, they're associated with the gentleman 17. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Great. So um, this general, governor general, I think is what he is. Jan Han. Yeah, Jan Han. Yeah. Well, it's easy to remember. <laughs> it does make it easy to remember. It was kind of fun to like say in my head, you know? So he has prepared seven different ships that are supposed to be leaving Batavia. And the story enters where uh, Jan and his family, he has a wife who's like 20 years younger than him and clearly not into it, um, Sarah, and a daughter, Leah. And so they are all heading towards the ship. And as they're heading towards the ship, there's also these other people who are heading towards the ship. So there's like, obviously with seven ships, there's a lot of people. For each of the ships, there's probably about 100 to 150 crewmen. And then there's also probably about 100 to 150 passengers on each ship. So like, that's a lot of people. Yeah, wow. (laughs) So basically there's just an entire procession of all of our primary characters, as well as all of these other random people heading towards these ships. So obviously there's a ton of people. Um, It being seven whole ships. Um, So two of the people outside of the general governor, I don't know why he has two titles. I don't even remember if that's exactly it. It sounds important at least. He is the most important person i think rank wise at least and that's why he has thing. two titles then yeah probably um so along with him and his family heading towards the ships is also this pair of men that are referred to as the bird and the bear which is samuel pips and aren't hayes so there are basically the other two like primary characters but there's really about like 12 primary characters in this which is why it gets really confusing yeah um <laughs> but what these two are so samuel pips Sammy, they call him. He is in chains. And so the people who are watching this procession go into the ships are like throwing stones and fruit at them. And Sammy Pips is like a very small, like, so he's called the bird because he's like, um, like very like delicate featured. And he's kind of like Sherlock Holmes, honestly, of Mm -hmm. like 
this area. So he's really well known. So uh, Arndt is the muscle essentially. So Sammy solves crimes. Like he does the puzzle part where he's like, oh, well this does this and this went here and this went there. And then Arndt does like the heavy lifting. And so basically Arndt has been hired by Sammy to protect him. And so now that Sammy is in chains, which we honestly don't even know why he's in chains until like three quarters of the way through. Oh, geez. We don't even know. We don't even know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, somebody knows, but they won't tell. Yes, at least somebody knows. One person <laughs> hopes. Somebody knows. Sammy at least probably also knows, I would hope. Uh, no, he doesn't actually know. Oh, no. Poor Sammy. Wait, I can't remember. Let's go with he doesn't. Somebody it knows. Does, it builds more if he doesn't even know. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't think he does. Everyone seems very shocked by this situation, okay? Mm-hmm. So, in particular, Arndt, because he's like, I don't understand, like, you... They were basically called to Batavia to help find something, which is the expensive item, which we call the folly on the ship. And then there's also like a mysterious cargo that's on the ship too. So Sammy and Arndt were brought to Batavia for this purpose. And then he was imprisoned and they're dragged onto the ship. Hmm. And so it's really interesting that all of the characters here, like you'll kind of see as it unravels a little bit, if you read this book, I um, that like each of them has like a very specific reason for being on the ship. And it's like, kind of like fate has brought everybody to be at this point. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's just so much going on. Okay. So, um, these are our main characters for the most part. That's what we're going to be talking about primarily, but as they are on their way to the ship, there is suddenly this man who's dressed as a leper and he gets up on top of these boxes and he starts saying that the Sardam, their boat, Sardam, I think. Um, We're going with it. Uh, Is cursed, and that him and his like friends or allies or something like are going to make sure that it doesn't, like, it won't survive and that everyone's doomed. So, like, I don't remember exactly what this guy says, but it's not good. It's very like, that's something you'd want to hear before getting on a boat for eight months to go to Amsterdam. Yeah, not great. Because this particular route, too, I guess, like, so they have set up like, um, like they didn't have buoys back then, but whatever they did before, they, they called it like the wagon lines. So they must have put something in the water to like mm. kind of help you figure it out. Either that or the chart, like they've charted it very well so that like you can't get off course. But it's a very dangerous particular route where like if you get blown off course at all, you're going to get lost. So like most people don't survive this route. And so like on oh, top wow. of knowing that and then the fact that this leper guy is like, oh, nope, going down. Like it's not good, <laughs> right? Yeah, not happy. And so- the leper says this and then lights on fire and then just like falls off the boxes, obviously, because he's on fire and they, uh, I'm like, I feel like I'm giving stuff away, but I'm really not. There's just, it's, it's just there's so much happening. Like, I just want to make sure I don't accidentally. Um, so in seeing this, so the leper is obviously in pain because he's like got third degree burns and stuff. So Arndt runs over to go help because Arndt's like a very nice guy. Arndt is my favorite character in this entire thing. Although Arndt is not a name. <laughs> That's fine. That's I would, okay. I wonder if it's short for something they never say. Um, so Arndt runs over to see like if he can help him or whatever. He helps like put out the fire on him because like his rags and stuff are still on fire because no one wants to touch him because he's a leper and it's mm-hmm. 1634. Like that, like, no, you don't touch lepers. Like you stay away. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you hope that they just disappear. <laughs> um, and then also Sarah, who is the governor general's wife she they're so they're like described as being in like one of those things that like you hoist on your shoulders. Right. So it's like, and they're like, oh, they're like in this behind curtain like a seat. 
gap like behind curtains so like oh. like how you would expect like royalty to be so like they talk about how like you can barely even see them so like he really hides his family like he's very um the governor general is like very protective hmm. so sarah runs over she says that she's a healer and so she runs over to go help and the governor general is not amused and he's also a wife beater trigger warning that comes up a few times but that's not shocking considering the era that this is in i was just thinking that yeah um so she runs over to help and what she really does is she just gives him like a tincture to help him sleep essentially and then she asks aren't have you ever killed someone before and he was like well yeah i have and she asked him to kill this guy is mercy because he's he's literally just covered in burns like they talked about like how his like flesh was melted down to like his his eye sockets like it was Ooh, not yeah it was a little graphic in that you're not you're, you're probably you're barely surviving that nowadays i bet you're not definitely not doing it back you're then. not yeah it's not good and then on top of that him being a leper like he probably has to go mm-hmm. like so as a kindness she asks art to do it so that's the first time art and sarah meet and they do develop like a really nice friendship and I just really like them. They have like a good chemistry together in this book. Um, I feel like this author does a good job at like putting relationships together, if that makes sense. Um, I just like the way he writes them. So that all happens. And Art was like, that seems really weird. And also this guy's tongue is cut out. And so how could he have talked? It's not fresh. Weird. Yeah. Right. And Sammy Pips because he's an investigator guy and Art has been writing like stories about Sammy's successes and so like everyone has heard about him they're in the newspapers and everything and so Sammy comes over and he looks and he's like well his his foot is well he calls it lame which you know it's not really a word you use anymore because it's not very nice but that's what they call it because it's 1634 so he has a bad foot and he was like how could he have crawled up on those unassisted like on the crates Mm. because he was up on top of a bunch of crates yeah so like there's just a lot of questions and so sammy was like well maybe there's some like bearing here like maybe we shouldn't go yet maybe we wait maybe we take a different ship like it's definitely strange um there was also some other clues to like indicate that like maybe that guy had worked on the ship Uh, i don't remember if it was like he was looking at his hands or whatever but he's very observant so like he was able to kind of like point out some things that were like maybe suspicious um and so aren't tells this to sarah and she was just like okay we'll go tell my husband he's like he's not gonna listen to me like you tell him yeah (laughs) so she tries to convince him because like their daughter's on board right like she's like i don't want her to go down like can we at least put her on another ship like can we take another ship like whatever you want but the governor general because he has this like precious cargo on board doesn't want to do that Mm -hmm. he's like nope absolutely not and he even hits her in front of the crowd which everyone was like oh my god it's one thing to do it in private he means business he does so they all get on board despite these warnings, despite all the very suspicious things that indicate that they're not going to survive. Um, nobody's surprised at all, men. <laughs> so there are a lot of other characters at play here too. So um, once they get on board, Sarah goes to try to warn her friend whose name I'm going to absolutely butcher right now. And I'm so <laughs> sorry. Cresci or Cresci? I think it's Cresci. She it's sounds C-R- more like a name right it's like christy but old christy yeah right it's close but it's c-r-e-s-s-j-i-e how else would i say that yeah christy because a crest would be one e and two s's and it's not yeah i don't know that's a hard one right so i'm sorry whoever 
is named Kreischi. Maybe like let us know. Um, maybe I'm gonna have to start googling these names. I just have some questions. Um, anyways, so Sarah goes to tell her friend Kreischi, who is also on board and is her husband's mistress, who has two young sons. She was like, "You need to get off the boat." Like the bastard sons, I'm assuming. No, they're not. Oh. Um, she's been married prior, and her previous husband was killed. So they're here because she, after her husband was killed, um, I guess the governor general decided to ask her to come stay with them because they'd met previously and she's the most beautiful woman in any room that's what i get for assuming my bad i know i thought that too though honestly i was like oh so are they his kids like what's the sitch um yeah no so she was widowed so she goes to tell priest g was like you need to get off the boat like you and your boys are not safe and she was like no i can't leave like your husband paid for my fare like he insisted that i be here i'm she's like on the boat because she's supposed to be married to some count Mm. or duke or something Mm -hmm. and um which i think is funny like why would your mr the guy you're having an affair with why would he hook you up with somebody but whatever it doesn't really matter maybe he wants to never tell me he's like it's in a weird creepy gross way maybe he's trying to like build better relations like you know when like like i'll tell you my mistress like princesses get married off to like other important families like yeah hey um i mean you want to like marry my mistress i'll probably keep sleeping with her but like yeah i mean i guess you can bet her too yeah sure why not maybe i don't know honestly they don't really explain it and it doesn't really matter i just my brain um so she she refuses to get off so sarah decides that she's going to start investigating on her own at the same time um, Arndt and Sammy are getting on the boat as well. And Sammy, because he's a prisoner, they insist that he gets locked in this tiny little cabin. Keep in mind, they're supposed to be here for eight months. They lock him into this cupboard that has no ports. It is dark. It is below somebody else's. So literally he has to be like hunched he's into this little dark. Like, that's what Arndt said. Arndt's like, no, there's absolutely no way this is acceptable. Like they're like, oh, well, he's like, you know, there's reasons that he's in here and so you know we can't let him out and like we're on strict orders not to ever let him out and so Arndt is trying to go address this situation while Sarah is starting to do some investigating so Sarah kind of enlists some of the the women around her because she's in the cabins with like the other nobility but there's also the people who live well live travel they're in the lower parts of the deck or of the boat and like there are people who just like lay on the floors like it's very much what you would expect for like traveling for eight months in a boat if you're poor like mm-hmm. some people had hammocks if you were lucky enough like some of the soldiers had hammocks and um, some of the sailors did and stuff but like literally the way that this boat was divvied up was like none of the passengers were allowed to go to the front of the boat so past half mast ever that was that's where the sailors are you don't go there if you go there you deal with the consequences because sailors are people who are only on this boat because if they were anywhere else they would be imprisoned or murdered oh <laughs> so these okay. are all just like bottom rung like people class acts just these are the, the nicest people you're ever gonna meet I the bet. worst men on the <laughs> planet yeah okay yeah that sounds like more accurate um yeah so it's pretty bad like so there's a lot of like dynamics that kind of go on between like the the sailors and then the passengers, but aren't being who he is. He's a soldier, but technically, so the sailors hate the soldiers and like all of them, like the musketeers and stuff that are like supposed to be like protection. But I guess it's like they do that in order for them to forget that they hate each other so that they can survive the trip. So like there's a lot of like weird like mind game politics that kind of go on that I kind of thought was really interesting um, to like kind of see play out in the book, right? Where like the captain himself isn't really in charge of all of the sailors. 
but the first mate kind of is, but then there's also a boatswain and he's the one that they actually respect and deal with. But the first mate is the one that they report to because the first mate's the only one that really deals with the captain. Like I learned so much about boats. I don't know how much it's <laughs> accurate. I have no idea, but it was really interesting to see how the dynamics on this particular ship worked out. So they're on the boat and they're investigating and they unfurl the sails I'm not necessarily going in order. I'm just trying to give you the gist of what this book is about. There's absolutely no way I could explain all of this in mm -hmm. a succinct way. Um, so when they unfurl the sails on the boat, um, there's like a something carved into like one of the masts. And it's the same scar that like Art has on his hand from when his father had like died when they were younger, when he was younger. And so like, there's a lot of weird things that start kind of going on. Um, like Arndt is, it, they tell you this super early on, I'm not spoiling anything. Arndt is not blood related, but he calls the governor general uncle. And so like, there's some like affection there, but basically what they think this symbol is. So like the symbol shows up and people are kind of like, oh, that's not great. And it's like a demon basically is that people mm -hmm. think it's, it's a superstition, right? So they're sailors. And so what is a lot of this book is about is like, like that superstition of like how even the, the suggestion of something can drive people to do more, whether or not it's real or not. And so throughout this book, they're trying to figure out so many different things. Like um, they think it's a demon. And so they're waiting for like these three unholy acts to occur, unholy miracles. That's what it is. Mm. So like in theory, like these three unholy miracles happen and then the demon will kill anybody who didn't take his deal. And he whispers to people in the night and says like, what do you want the most in the world? What would you do for it? So everybody on this boat, like as soon as word about this starts kind of leaking out, right? Everyone starts going a little bit freaking crazy. Yeah, I understand. And so it's kind of hard to tell like what's real, what's not, what's like orchestrated by a human being because like people can be cruel on their own. They don't really need a reason to be evil unless, mm -hmm. you know, they could just yeah. do it. True. So um, most of the book is basically like a, like a whodunit, like what is actually happening here? Is there an actual demon? Is it just a man? Like, what is it? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of weird, creepy things that happen. I told you that like seven boats left the port, right? Mm -hmm. Well, at night there's an eighth light, like all the boats are around, but there's an eighth light. Oh, and the eighth light will turn like bright red and then go out. And one of the unholy miracles has happened. So it's like, like having a demon to like boat or something, right? Exactly. So it's like, what the hell is that? Like, I honestly can't really give a lot of details about this book, which is really funny because like literally everything leads to another thing. And so I wouldn't want anyone to have any of this spoiled because it was a really good, a really good read. Like I don't mm -hmm. usually read my books anymore and you know that because I yeah. don't really have time to sit there, but like I didn't play any Animal Crossing all week. I just <laughs> read this book. Like that's impressive for me. Okay. Yeah. That is that good. Wow. Yeah. It was really good. So I don't really want to give you any more, but the character development was really good. The way that this author, like weaves everybody's stories together like everyone overlaps in ways they don't even know and like there is a uh, people who are like a priest he like sneaks on board and he becomes a part of this so then you also have some more like religion at play here it's very interesting and i really just the whole journey was amazing awesome so i'm gonna guess five out of five then oh yeah five out of five yeah i just think figured that was obvious yeah, yeah no five out of five That's absolutely. What I, I figured it was obvious i was like if i could give it more i would yeah 10 out of 5. 
great book. This guy better write more books. I'm going to have to look and see if he has any more because I just really, I really yeah. love it. Like it kind of takes me a little bit to get into it just because there are so many different things going on here. I end up like playing that back and forth game a little, mm-hmm. um, but, but I, I feel think like, it's worth it. Well, I feel like what you were saying of that, like list of like the main characters with the boat and everything, like the, the map. So I, helpful. Yeah. It's gotta be so helpful. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I don't think I would have gotten through because I kept forgetting who the freaking people were. Yeah. Cause there's literally come, like 12 main characters. Yeah. By the so. time they come back up, you're like, who is that again? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them, like I said, their names are, are different and they probably were appropriate for the time. Um, I don't know. And the location, but that was the biggest challenge I think, but yeah, yeah. five out of five would read again. Going to look for more by this guy. Also, I'm wondering if it's Batvia, like Latvia. That one hit, that hit me earlier. I don't know if the spelling is the same. It's B-A-T-A-V-I-A. Well, I guess I don't know how Latvia is spelled either. I think it's just L-A-T-V-I-A. Oh. Maybe not. I don't know. That's all I got. You were, because you kept saying it. I was like, I wonder, because it's almost similar to like Latvia. That's how I was saying it. And then I like looked at it again and I noticed the a second um, A. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I was that like, does, maybe not. Yeah, that does change. Well, yeah, what? Latvia doesn't have that or okay. I mean, that middle A. So okay. it's got to be Bat- Batavia or Batavia. Oh, but, Batavia. I don't know. If anyone does Bat- know, y'all should let us know because we clearly yeah. don't. It's a real challenge. I would not want to be the audio narrator for this uh, book. No, uh, I've thought about that mm. on the recent lot of books recently. I'm like, how do you even learn how to say these things? Oh my gosh. But, uh, so the book that I did, so I actually had one planned out for this topic for probably like two months. Like I literally got it from the library. I kept renewing it. And then I changed it at the last minute because I get um, Kindle first reads. I don't know if you've done it or if any of the listeners do, but as like a Kindle user, and I don't know what that means. Uh, every month you get a free Kindle book based off of like this little like list that they send you out in your email. You can also Google. I think you could just Google like Kindle first reads. Um, every now and then you get two books. I don't know how it works, but Love it's it. a lot of fun. And they always have like a large variety. There's always a historical fiction, like a thriller, a contemporary family drama. They have a kid one too. Like if you have children that you want to read to and you're just like, well, I might as well use a credit. So I recommend it to anybody who has an e-reader. But I ended up picking this one because I didn't love anything else that was like any of the other options of the normal ones. Like I normally pick like the thriller or the murder book or pretty much my go-to. But then this historical fiction one actually kind of sounded good. And I knew we had this topic coming up. So I picked it. It was my November pick. It was released December 1st. So, you know, I feel really fancy too because I got like an early... I got early access. I didn't read it early. I ended up actually having to switch to listening because I just did not have the time to read the book. But the book that I read slash listened to was The Last Rose of Shanghai by Wena Dai Randall. So this book is primarily set in Shanghai during World War II. And so it actually starts, though, in 1980. And we're back in Shanghai, and there's this woman, Ai, and she wants, she like owns this hotel, and she's decided that she wants to give this hotel to this random woman from America, from like Texas or something like that, um, give this hotel to her in, with the condition that this woman does a documentary on this gentleman, Ernest, Ernest, what's his last name, Restman. Ernest Restman, who was, um, who she knew back in Shanghai when she was a kid. So that's kind of where it starts. And like the woman, it's not just like 
a total random woman like she is a documentarian like by trade like that's what she does and she had done a like this exposition type documentary thing on um the what am i totally blanking the jewish refugees that came over to shanghai during world war ii so she had already kind of done one um and so she like has these pictures and she has information and she's like talked to survivors and so she knows Ernest's story already a little bit and so IE is like, hey, you did this. She's like, I want you to do like a full-blown documentary and I'm going to give you this hotel. Nice. And like the woman like literally flew out to Shanghai to meet with her. And she's like, I'm sorry, you're like, you want me to do what? Like, I mean, okay, sure. Like, why don't you tell me your story? And so then that's how we're learning about the story is basically is IE telling her the story. But we also, so we jump between IE and Ernest's point of view which is nice and the narrator it's two different narrators too which I really appreciate you have a female narrator and a male narrator I love that yeah so that I think that really helped a lot too so it's like the 1940s I don't remember exactly what year we start in because it does kind of jump like five or six years Uh, but we're in Shanghai and the Japanese have taken over Shanghai at this point like they control the whole city at this point so IE is 20 years old she owns her own club like a music dancing club not like a Insta, Insta club but like she does have like ladies like dressed fancy and they dance like the waltz and type stuff like I mean, that it's the to, 40s it's very different yeah and so she has that and like she serves alcohol and everything like that she is kind of struggling though because the Japanese are no longer allowing Chinese folks to buy alcohol so she has to like try to like buy it on the black market or there is this British man, um, Sassoon, who also owns a club. They're like kind of rivals, but he's always been like kind of infatuated with IE and he likes to take his hobby is photography, primarily of the naked female anatomy is what his like main I don't know what you would call that, but that's what he likes to do. And so like, he's always like trying to get Aie to do that. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, um, you're not going to ruin my reputation. Like that's not, yeah. She's like, that is not how like proper Chinese ladies act. Like that's terrible. Like what if that were to get back to my family, all these things, but she does end up having to go to him and being like, Hey, like, can I have any of your alcohol? Like, will you sell me some of your alcohol? Cause he's British. And so he's still allowed to buy liquor. And she like kind of alludes like, well, maybe one day, you know, I might let you take pictures of me. Maybe who knows? Um, and so that's kind of like where she's at. She's also is um, in like an arranged marriage to her cousin Chung. Like, yeah, I know you're making the face. I made the face too, but then you have to remember. So this arranged marriage was set when she was like one. So it was like 1920s or like 1925 probably around the time that this was set and like her mom so how like their family has money I used family has money is like their grandpa made a whole lot of money on the mom's side and then she got it the dad died so she has a lot of money and like right before she dies she like dies like illness she doesn't like surprise die uh she writes IE into her will which is unheard of at this time and in China like both of them as a woman yeah women are not allowed to inherit money or property and she inherits both and like the brothers because she has like three older brothers two maybe two three two two let's call it two i think they are like outraged they're like so the oldest one um 
totally blanking on his name. He's kind of a dick, so it doesn't super matter. He like literally like tries to get a lawyer to fight this and like take her money back. The lawyer, judge, however it works out over there in like the nineteen thirty five ish is like tough tits, dude. Like it's in the will. She gets her money, so she gets her money, which is awesome. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, so that's yeah. So so that's kind of how she. And she had like, she had a cousin, a different cousin who convinced her to like go in on like, he had a music thing that he wanted to do and it lost a lot of money. But when she had money and she wanted to go in and open her club, like she reached out to him and he was doing better. So he helped. So that's how she kind of has her club. Um, But also like with the fact that, so they were like really high kind of like falutin folks in Shanghai before the Japanese came and just took over and like literally like took all of their everything like they managed to keep their house and that's mostly it like maybe a couple pieces of art some jewelry because basically that's what like japan came in the japanese came in and they were like all your things are our things typical during wartime like your shit's my shit now thanks bye um so the older the oldest brother has like a printing press he was like doing like newspapers or something like that and the only reason he was even able to like keep all of his like um materials for this printing business is that he had a mistress an american mistress who they like she managed to get a fake marriage certificate to like show to the japanese and be like oh no we're married oh that's mine that's actually my printing press so you can't have it because as an american citizen you can't take my things you can take a chinese person's things but not my things yeah which is also like super common apparently like everyone just knows about everyone's mistresses this is like cool this is great. Yeah, it seems like it was way more common back then than yeah. Because he has six kids with his wife, like so everyone was just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, men are dogs. Yeah, and they do like comment on a lot. Is that like so his wife, um, and so like Ie sister in law and a lot of the other Chinese women have their feet bound, but Ie does not. They bring that up a lot in the book, um, because her mom had her feet bound and Big she deal. refused to do that to Ie. She was like, no, like we're not doing that um good yeah i was like oh thank goodness because also like she i felt like if god it was like how we were talking about earlier how like okay i know what year it is we don't need to keep telling me what year it is i felt like that point yeah like i think it was almost every single time this woman was in there she was walking away on her tiny bound feet or something like like, it was too much i felt it was got it um yeah but either way so that's kind of where we're at with ie she's 20 so ernest hit he's 19 he has just come over on a boat um him so his family so right now it's his parents him and his sister like this is his younger sister who's 12 Ernest is 19 he had an older sister who I believe committed suicide um I think she was like attacked like sexually attacked at one point like before um maybe early early on in kind of like this war um like it wasn't really like known as like the world war at that point but she was attacked she didn't handle it well understandable took her own life um they literally mentioned that in the book one time so like unless somebody is mentioning it in a book as a trigger you would be fine they just mentioned that that's how she passed uh detail and so they the family is only able to get two exit visas and so the parents give it to the kids obviously and they're like okay Ernest, like take care of your sister like go like we'll follow you as soon as we can so he they get on this boat over to shanghai and he they like end up in kind of like a almost like a church 
where they're like sleeping on the ground on like little mats and everything and after like five days they get kicked out because there's another boat coming and so he has to go try and find work and he's been trying to find work every day but uh, he doesn't speak any of the language he doesn't understand and also like nobody wants to give jobs to refugees at this point so he's really struggling and so he was a pianist back home um, he hasn't played in a while because like kind of right when the war broke out and everything, um, somebody came and stabbed his hand because he's Jewish. Like only just for that. He was a Jewish pianist and they were like, nope, we don't like Jews. I'm going to stab your hand. And then it didn't heal well Awful. because, you know, we're in the middle of a war. And so he's like really struggling with that. Um, but he is thinking like, oh, he's like he has seen these clubs and he's like, OK, like maybe I can play piano in one of these clubs. And so he ends up going to Sassoon's, the British band's club, and it's like, hey, can I, I play piano? And Sassoon's like, no, I'm not hiring anybody. And I, at the same time, she happens to be there and it's because she's asking Sassoon for, to like buy some of his liquor. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, ma'am, like, what's your favorite song? Uh, and she says, it's the last rose of Shanghai. And he happens to know it. And so he like, he's like, okay, no, he's like, let me just play one song. And if you still don't want to hire me, Mr. Sassoon, like I'll leave. And he's like, sure, whatever, fine. I don't care. So he plays it. And it's this like American Chinese jazz kind of thing, which like nobody has really heard of. Like they get it on like a gramophone, but nobody actually gets to hear this music like played live. And Sassoon's like, no, pass. I don't want it. Goodbye. But Ai is like. I want it. I want you like you're going to come. So she hires him to be the pianist in his, in her club. And like her band is already kind of like miffed, like, I don't love that. And she's like, no, just like, it's going to be fine, whatever. But his hands never really healed because he's literally playing every single day from like 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. And his hand never fully healed. And so it's getting worse and worse and worse. And he hurts thinking about it. Yeah. And he's playing through all this pain, playing, like doing all these crazy things. And um, I had like bought them an apartment because she was like, hey, like, I'll do this. Like, here's like the wage I'll pay you. And like, I'll get you an apartment. That's like a studio apartment. Oh. But she was like, I'll pay it. And she was like, I will pay for it up front. He, but he literally just lays it all out. He's like, I need money now. Like. I have my sister here. I need a place yeah. to live. And so she's like, okay, she's like, I'll pay for a year and I'll just deduct the rent from your weekly wage. And he's like, okay, that's fair. Like, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. And so it's like a studio apartment, like one bed. And he tells his sister, Miriam, he's like, you got to like, stay here. Don't leave the house. Don't do anything. Like the streets aren't safe. And like later right. in the book, they do say like Shanghai now apparently is a very, according to the book, is a very safe place for like a single female to be. But like back then it was not safe and miriam's 12 you can remember being 12 you want me to just stay in here all day that's super boring like even if i am in a brand new scary place so she like has been kind of like sneak not it's not even sneaking out because he's off playing all night long so she's been like off roaming the streets i think she's been like trying to get a job too because she one wants something to do and wants to contribute and all these things and they're basically kind of eating like hot water with leaves in it at this point like anything like there's not like a lot of food going around for them to eat um but she's out one day and he comes home and she's not home he came home early i think it was like i think ie like finally realized his hand was hurting and like sent him home early he comes home and she's not there and so he is freaking out totally understandable running around all over town shouting her name 
he's like sitting on the stoop like bawling his eyes out like oh my god she ran away she's gone forever i couldn't protect her and she comes walking up the street butt ass naked like like she's been mugged they took all of her clothes and he's like oh my gosh like are you okay what the hell were you doing she's like i was trying to get a job and he like finally has like a little bit of savings saved up now Mm -hmm. and so there and he found out that they were starting a jewish school like in the town little bit a little ways it's from town but they're starting it up and he was like i'll get you enrolled in that we'll go talk to him tomorrow we'll figure it out so he gets her enrolled into that and they also have like a foster family basically so like she's going to go stay with this foster family because it doesn't make sense for her to commute all the way across every single day like it'll really impede her studies basically and they're like i'll stay right here they'll drop her off every day like she'll be fed but so he has to pay the private school and he has to pay the foster family. So like, this is. Oh, so it's like a host family thing. Yeah. There you go, host family. Yeah. I guess that's the, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. And so he's like wow. paying almost all of his paycheck is swing to this, but he's like, that's okay. Like it's all for Miriam. Like it's great. And he like sees her a little bit later and she's happy. She's making friends. She's going to have a bar mitzvah, Aww. which she's like really excited about. Um, and she's he's like, so like, she's, she's thriving over there. She's having great. great. And then finally like and then since she's kind of out, out of the picture it's a mean way to say it but Ernest can like really focus because he's working nights so he was never right. seeing her anyway she was feeling like really alone everything like that um it, the book is also kind of a romance like Ernest is like instantly in love with IE and IE falls for him too but you know she's betrothed to her cousin Chung yeah and so it's like okay like what's going on and like Chung is not a great person like he's very controlling the only reason he even allowed her to have her club is that once they're married it'll become his club and she can stay home and be barefoot and pregnant basically yeah. but like she can like i suppose do something during the day and he only wants her to wear like a chinese bra versus this other bra that she wears i'm not entirely sure what i feel like the chinese bra like flattens the boobs in an unflattering americanly unflattering way anyway Ie doesn't like it she doesn't like to wear it and also people spend more money when she has her nice bra on people like to right. look at the tatas and so like and that's what she's trying to do is get people into her club and stay longer and spend money and all these things um and so that's pretty much like what is happening in this book is that we've like we jumped through probably like five years um Ernest does so Chung comes and fires him at one point without Ie's knowledge um and he like comes Ernest like comes back because like uh Chung and Ie have this kind of like fight ish Chung does some creepy things uh, Ie is unsettled by it and she takes a few days off of work like forced days I think she probably would have gone into work if Chung wasn't there but Chung made sure he was there um because also Ie's family has more money than Chung's and so he like really wants their money or he they used to they're not doing great now that the Japanese have taken over. Um, yeah. But so he fires Ernest. So Ernest is like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Like, I still got to pay the school. I got to pay the host family. I got to like, is she going to keep paying my rent? Like, does he even, does Chung even know that IE is paying my rent? Like, do I have to find a new place? Like, what is going on? And so he like ends up going back to Sassoon. Sassoon hires him. So he's like still doing okay there. But then at this point, it's probably been like, um, I don't know, is it? I don't think this is going to get away because I knew it was going to happen as soon as I started reading it. Ernest and I start having their own little affair, their own little thing. Oh, well, yeah, obviously that on. was going to happen. Yeah, that was happening. Um, 
and so like things are also kind of going on with that but then it's been like like the years keep progressing in this book like I think like while IE is telling this story like five or six years pass as she's telling well she tells the story of five or six years in honesty only one and a half days pass from the start of the book to the very end of the book but because we're talking about past stories and so um like the war is getting like more and more built up and it's like they're starting to say you know hey refugees like we're gonna put you in camps you don't get to like hang out here anymore if you don't have a nationality like if you don't have a home country like you gotta go we're gonna take you we're gonna do whatever so like more and more things happening Ernest like saves so many different refugees like he becomes like kind of like a really smart like businessman he like figures out money and things and he like learns the language and he helps so many people which is why I in the beginning is like hey like this is why I really want to do this like he did these amazing things and I tells the gal whose name I can't remember but the one who's going to do that documentary because the gal is like why like you're giving me this hotel why in the world like that's a that's a bit too much like she's like obviously I'm gonna do it I'm gonna take the hotel hey thanks but that's too much why and I is like I did something unforgivable and I need to atone for it and we're like what did you do and we don't know what she did until like the last sixth of the book is like finally when it comes up and I use in a wheelchair in the 80s and so but she's not back in the 40s and so you're like coming no Nope. You know what put her in there? Like things would happen as the war progressed. And I'm like, okay, this is what's gonna put her in a wheelchair. Nope. Nope. Didn't happen. Uh never saw that. The very end, like the last chapter, they dropped so many surprises. I did not see a single one coming. Like obviously I can't tell anybody what it is, but I was like, I was like listening, finishing it up, and I was like, What? Are you kidding me? And then like, oh, and also this. And I was like, no what like yeah it was they did a great job at that um I am overall going to give the book four stars because I feel like there was times where I didn't think anything was happening like Mm. it's like this old lady telling her life story and you're just like okay when's the good part yeah like cool yeah the war sucks agreed and like yeah the whole Chung thing was also kind of just gross. I mean, I didn't knock any stars off for that, but that was, I did not like it. Ideal. Yeah. But I mean, like, it was still good. It was still a good book. It was really well written. I did also really appreciate that I, like, when I and Ernest first kind of get together or meet or whatever, she, like, gives him the pronunciation of his name or of her name. And she's like, it's IE or IE. Actually, now that I say it, I don't know which. I think which side the emphasis gets it because Ernest gets the emphasis wrong every time. It's like his like mm. thing. You're close, I'm sure. But they like three different times were like, no, it's like IE. I think that's how it is. I think it's IE on the so emphasis on the first one. But they explained it like three times. Like she explained it to Ernest and had him like keep saying it. So you're like, ah, oh, okay, now I know how to say her name. Because it's not like I, I would have been close, but I still wouldn't have been quite right. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, the narrator also pronounces Shanghai, Shanghai, I think, Shanghai, not how us Americans say it. So then I was like, oh shit, I th- learned a thing. I think we should say Shanghai differently than how a local would say it. So that was kind of I mean, Yeah, cool. it's just the Americanized version. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
it was a really great story and like i said the ending so many things i did not even come close to seeing Ernest is like one of the nicest people in the entire world i know he's fake but like the things that love him though yeah the things that he does for other like he's constantly putting other people above himself like yeah and he's very forgiving a very forgiving person in a lot of situations like so many things happened where i'm like well i would be done goodbye i don't love can't save that but it can for him and he always kept being really hopeful and he was like writing letters to his parents the whole time of like because he didn't want to leave shanghai because he was like okay like if we leave and go to somewhere else that's maybe more friendly to refugees like our parents will never find us yeah and you're like honey it's 2021 i know your parents ain't coming i know they're not showing up and like but like he'd go every time a new boat came in and look for them and you were just like it was just breaking your heart every time because you're like i get it though yeah you're like they're not coming i'm from the future i know they're not coming but yeah but i would definitely recommend it especially if you like historical fiction and i also appreciated that it was like, cause I feel like there's so many books around World War II, but the, I don't see a ton of them that aren't set in like an America type one or yeah. Europe or some shit like that. Like I haven't seen them that are like set in China and stuff. And I really liked that. And that whole other side of it, of like how that is, like how this entire war is affecting this kind of like smaller place. I do love that. I literally don't know if I had thought about it much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and, you just don't see a lot from that perspective. Yeah, but it makes and, sense. Like I knew that that was a thing that happened, but it just didn't really like occur to me that. that yeah, yeah. Which is also why I picked it because my first one was very much like white ladies being spies in the war, and I was like, okay, that's been like done nine hundred times. I was like, I'm gonna do it from in a different country. I did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, we already know where this is going. Yeah, there's fine. a lot of that though. Yeah. So when this one popped up, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it in a totally different country than what i know and i learned a bunch of things and thanks so i guess yeah. we had some great historical fiction picks this time yeah. around yeah we definitely did better i think than the last one i do it again at least yeah so, yeah but uh everyone make sure you come back in the new year we have a lot of exciting topics planned already we're super planned ahead go us so that's awesome yeah. uh socials is instagram isn't a pastor bedtime twitter iipyb underscore pod you can also check out our website, isn'titpastyourbedtime.com to see what we've talked about in the past and what's coming up next. And yeah, we hope that you all have a lovely winter season and a very safe new year. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.